This is the On Blast Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you once again for tuning in to this week's NFL Picks. Joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. We uh, we battled a bit this past week, but that's the type of thing that's going to happen from time to time, right? It's not how you handle the victories. It's how you handle the losses. So I uh, managed to three and two in the Circa Millions contest. So actually managed to pick the few winners that I had uh, for the contest there. Uh, but all in all, we had to give a couple of dollars back because, uh, you know, was, things were getting a little too easy for the first five weeks of the season, I guess. I'm scattering right now to find my record. And the reason I'm scattering is because it wasn't that good last week. Um, (laughs) Let me see if I can find it though, because we do, no, no, no. We do the bookkeeping here. We do the bookkeeping. Of course. Very important. I'll give you some time to to find that record. Honestly, it gives you a chance to reflect and be like, okay, you know, which games were we right about? Which games were we wrong about? And then what was the record of the games that were honestly just came down to one play, one bounce, et cetera, et cetera, right? So like even working backwards, you know, maybe the Chargers in some alternative universe get a touchdown in overtime, but like that was Denver plus four and a half the whole way, right? Yeah. So you're just, you're just right about that. The Cowboys come back late. You know, I was on the Eagles. They come back late, but like that was by and large Eagles the whole way. So like mm-hmm. that was pretty well handicapped games and two games that were correct. Now you get into like Cincinnati, New Orleans, and Miami <laughs> and Minnesota. Like Miami wins and or covers that game like so many percent of the time, right? Yeah. Like 400 plus yards. Like the big worry is like Miami going to be able to move the ball with Skylar Thompson. He actually looks really good. They get mm-hmm. a bunch of penalties and then he gets injured. And then Teddy Bridgewater comes in and like he takes a while to get warmed up. And then he eventually is able to move the ball. But like Minnesota as three point road favorites against like anything with a pulse, like hard pass. And just because they covered it, didn't make it necessarily the right side. New Orleans up nine points. You're going, okay, like take a field goal, take a touchdown, and then get a field goal or a touchdown later. And like Cincinnati can have a one point win. I don't care. We got plus two and a half. That thing eventually went to three. But what happens? Tyron, Tyron Matthew, like one of the best defensive backs in the last 10 years, can't make a tackle. I mean, admittedly, it's Jamar Chase. Like I get that, like not the easiest tackle necessarily, but like whiffs entirely on him. The Bengals would have been happy to take a field goal and run the clock down. They don't have to because he's running down the sidelines and scoring a touchdown and allowing the Bengals to cover. And you go, yeah, there's two that would have gone from the L column to the W column. And like, am I really going to beat myself up about it? Felt pretty good about the saints when they were up nine felt pretty good about the dolphins, even looking back at their box score and certainly felt pretty good until Jalen Waddle fumbled the ball pretty loosely there after converting a first down on a critical drive in the fourth quarter. And both those plays happened within like 20 seconds. So I felt like somebody just walked into my living room and just punched me right in the face two times in 20 seconds. Yeah, definitely the celebration for Waddle went a little differently last week than it has in previous weeks, for sure. But as we discuss the house cleaning here on housekeeping, house cleaning, housekeeping, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. I tell you what, we could clean it up after last week. Exactly. I'd be good with that. I'd be good with that. But as I was searching for my record, this tells you how like out of it I am. I already put in the record here in the like the graphics here that are made. 
So really, if I was just paying attention and like on the ball, I could have just clicked this button and it would have come up because I already put it in. So instead of going back through my notes to see that last week was a five and nine week against the spread season record still sits at 52, 38 and four, which, you know, we'll get back to the winning ways. We'll get back to the winning ways for sure. Cause we talk about the good, we talk about the bad and we just hope that there's more good than bad just for people who might not be aware of what we do here. Try to tell them each and every week. First off, if you are watching this podcast right now, make sure you like, and subscribe, hit us with a like button. If you're watching this on YouTube or on Twitch, or if you happen to be on Facebook or Twitter, or even listening to your pods through whatever streaming service, Apple, Spotify, all that fun stuff, rate us, review us, like all that fun stuff, right? That's what we talk about. What we do each and every week, I come on here, I give my picks, give which way the Joe public side is leaning, trying to win more than I lose. And then Matt comes in with the information and education in terms of where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going. And as always, we get things started with Thursday night football. We got the Saints at the Cards. Cards favored by two points. And you know me, I I love just rocking with the Saints here. I know it didn't go well last week, but as you just mentioned, it went well until it didn't. And it was funny because the thing I talked about last week was that I like the Saints defense. And so far we haven't really seen too many highlights of Jamar Chase just running free. in the- <laughs> And guess how that game ended last week. But hey, this is why we're here. I'm not going to be too swayed by what happened last week. Still going to trust in the Saints defense. I like what they're doing on offense, regardless of who's in the backfield in terms of Andy Dalton and company. So give me the Saints. I just like where they're going, what they're building. And I know that DeAndre Hopkins is back. So do the Saints. So let's go. <laughs> Thursday night football. Yeah, they're aware of it. I like that for those people who are actually watching the podcast, if you will, uh, on any of the, the ways that you just mentioned, that the way that it sort of spells out is it just says, you know, TNF, and then eventually says, Sheldon says no, which of course means in, in your in our parlance means New Orleans, but it just mm-hmm. looks on the screen like Sheldon says no. Honestly, that's kind of how I feel about betting this game. Like <laughs> Russell says no. Like I just, I like just, it. I don't really want to be involved. And you know, it's funny. Like people just beat up on these Thursday night games and the schedule and blah blah blah. As if like any of these games in standalone fashion are really all that entertaining, right? Like unfortunately, and we've talked about this for a couple of years now, right? The product in the NFL, whether it's a legal man downfield penalties and like obviously the ridiculous roughing the passer calls that are happening. That you know, there's roughing the passer that doesn't get called while the non-roughing the passer stuff does. There's no rhyme or reason to any of this. So uh, all of that is to say, uh, I don't really love any side here. That being said, you know, as a, as it pertains to the saints and the saints defense, there's actually a pretty significant split between the first three games of the season and the most recent three games of the season. Right. So okay. we're still living in this world where, you know, oh man, like they shut down the bucks, you know, in it was that week two, something along those lines. Right. And then, Ever since then, it's been like, yeah, kind of got yourself in a shootout against the Seahawks, kind of gave up a lot of points to the Vikings, kind of mm. gave up a lot of points to the Bengals. So the last three weeks, you know, listen, all those teams are pretty good offensively, as crazy it's sort of, as it is to sort of say when we're talking about the Seahawks, but it's true this year. So, you know, maybe that's just opponent-based, and obviously the t- a team like Tampa Bay hasn't necessarily succeeded on offense the way that we thought they were going to. But I am a little bit concerned about what's going on with the defense. Now, part of that right now is Marcus Lattimore being out. And, of course, you mentioned Jamar Chase, and that's the key thing for this game. You know, you mentioned, yeah, like they're aware of DeAndre Hopkins being back. 
I'll first say that like, I understand Arizona is an absolute dumpster fire and the offense is just absolutely atrocious right now. But I have to say that like, we kind of knew that. And that has been the case since about midway through last season when DeAndre Hopkins got injured in a Thursday night game against Green Bay. And so they were 7-0 and going into that game. You'll recall like they end up losing that game to Aaron Rodgers and literally nobody else. And Hopkins ends up leaving that game late. And then he was out for, you know, virtually the rest of the season. He had a couple of uh, games there towards the end. But it was kind of the die was cast at that point. So the point is, is like he hasn't really been his full, his, you know, his full sort of regular self here in like a year. If the Saints can't cover him and listen, New Hawkins is awesome. Like you wouldn't blame the Saints if they couldn't cover him. If they can't cover him, Kyler Murray gets a lot better. And when you've got now Rondale Moore back, and I know he's sort of three games back in here, you know, now it's not, you're not relying on AJ Green to do a ton of stuff. Um, Zach Ertz actually looks pretty good. He looks like he's, you know, in as good a shape as he's been in a really long time. Like you start adding up some, you know, everybody gets to kind of move one step to the right. Now, unfortunately, Hollywood Brown is out for it looks like the rest of the season for the Cardinals. But like Hopkins is a guy who he doesn't just make the catches. He makes the big catches. He makes the contested catches, but he also draws the pass interference penalties. True. And when you're without Marcus Lattimore, now, you know, on the Saints side of things, everybody has to take a step to the right in sort of a negative way, right? The number two corner now has to be the number one corner and the, and, uh, the coverages have to change, et cetera, et cetera. And so like that becomes a little bit concerning, right? And then obviously offensively, yeah, the Saints are sort of piecing it together. But I think the Cardinals actually match up pretty well defensively with what the Saints want to do. Their best players kind of fit in with like stopping Alvin Kamara out of the backfield in, in the passing game. And, you know, I'm not sure how great the run game is necessarily going to be. Also, we don't necessarily know for sure whether Andy Dalton is going to be able to play in this game or whether Jameis Winston doesn't seem like he's coming back in this game. It might be a Taysom Hill festival out there. Because Jake Luton is the third string quarterback on the depth chart for the Saints. And I think we're more likely to get a Taysom Hill situation. So I'd actually lean to the Cardinals in this game because I think Hopkins opens up things for Kyler Murray and that offense. The problem is this team is a train wreck in the first half. So why would I just assume that everything is going to be firing in all cylinders in the first half, put a bet down, watch them sort of struggle through the first two quarters of this game, when I can just sit back and wait. So I'll be looking to target the Cardinals in the second half. Now that didn't work out necessarily against Seattle last week when they got down early, but it's certainly, you know, a couple of plays here and there that could have got, I mean, that was just a weird game. How did neither of those teams get to 20 points? Like that was a very strange result. Speaking of all of the strange results from last week. So I just look at it and I go like, this would be the buy point for the Cardinals for me. Mm-hmm. And the market seems to kind of agree with that. And the thing with the Thursday night games is like, you really want to pay attention to where the money moves the lines in these Thursday night games. They all, shouldn't say always, never, it's never an always situation. <clears throat> they are often, often correct about these moves. We saw it a couple of weeks ago with Cincinnati, right? Like that number kind of got out of control against the Dolphins moving up to minus four and a half. And honestly, the Bengals weren't even that good that day. 
I just look at this and I go, yeah, like, yeah, like one was probably too short. We're up to two, even some two and a halfs out there. I don't think we're going to see three, at which point, like, you certainly can make a case for the Saints. You certainly can make a case for the Saints uh, at a teaser price here. But mm-hmm. this ha- this is more about, I'm just going to wait and see when it comes to the Cardinals and maybe hop on them live, especially if I see that the offense is going pretty well. I expect the Saints to probably score in the in the first 15 scripted portion of the program. And then after that, it can get a little dicey, especially if it's Taysom Hill who's the starting quarterback, right? The Saints are always going to be at their best during the script. So this this shapes up to me as like somewhere where we might be able to get a dog price or even get points with the Cardinals at some point during the game. Once they just throw out the playbook and let Kyler run around and find Hopkins and find all those guys, that's the best their offense is, you know, on a normal basis anyway. And without Lattimore, I think DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, is, you know, he's coming back in week seven, not from an injury. Right. This isn't like, oh, is it the right time to come back? Is he worried about his knee or his ankle? He's or his wrist? <laughs> He's mega fresh. If, uh, you know, if you subscribe to the reason why he was out for these first six games, he's probably quite fresh. So, yeah, like this is one where you, I think you can you know what to expect here from DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that's uh, a real vigilante performance here on Thursday night. A second straight primetime that a D Hopkins is going to be featured prominently. We didn't really expect that on Monday with Dustin Hopkins hobbling all over the field, but we certainly uh, expect big things here from DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday night. It will be great to have him back on Thursday night football and just in football in general, as he is, as you mentioned, one of the premier wide receivers there are. Speaking of premier wide receivers, Jamar Chase and company in the Bengals will be at home as six-point favorites to the Atlanta Falcons. Both teams coming off wins last week. The Bengals to be favored by six points, though, seems to be a lot, if you ask me. And I know they're at home, and I mentioned off the top, or maybe that was off air, not sure if we started recording yet. I feel like there are a lot of spreads that are at or around a touchdown for the home team. And so I might be in a lot of trouble here because I'm going to be leaning to the underdogs. And with the Atlanta Falcons here, they're a spicy team. I just like how they play and what they do. So give me the six points in the Falcons. Yeah, and I think I'm going to be with you for a lot of these. And, you know, we we did talk about this before the uh, cameras rolled, so to speak. But, yeah, this is either, you know, it's well, you can look at it one of two ways, right? There's either a ton of tease downs here with all these minus sixes and minus sevens. This isn't necessarily one of them. You can get a better money line on the Bengals than you can at a minus 270 teaser leg, right? Teaser legs are essentially minus 270 parlays. You can get a money line at minus 250. I'm not necessarily saying bet that. I'm just saying from a valuation standpoint, the money line is a better option here. This one I actually like the favorite in, and for a couple of different reasons. One, the Falcons have had it pretty good. Well, they certainly had it pretty good last week. We saw steam come in on the Falcons on Sunday because the difference between doing this show at 12.55 on Sunday and doing it on Wednesday afternoon is the injury report. Right. Mm -hmm. And the 49ers injuries and you're a 49ers fan, you know, the injury report was out of control. And so like you're hoping like, okay, maybe Nick Bosa can go. Maybe this guy can go. Maybe that guy can go. It's like, no, actually, they're going to be without seven starters on the defense. 
And like, yeah, that worked out quite nicely for the Falcons. And now the 49ers <laughs> are able to move the ball okay against the Falcons. But honestly, like from very early on, like the writing was just on the wall. And that was one where we missed out. And we probably should just, you know what, take the Falcons on the money line, you know, in our round robin money line parlay. Like that should have been a piece that was added. But, you know, it's hard to predict who, you know, who's going to be around. If Nick Bosa plays in that game against the Falcons offensive line, that is just kind of okay, especially from a pass protection standpoint. Who's to say there isn't one big play that changes that game because Nick Nick Bosa is really that good. So, like, I get why they won that game. I can't shake the fact that against the Buccaneers on the road the week before, their offense basically didn't move the ball for three quarters and only got in through the back door on in that fourth quarter because the Buccaneers kind of took the feet off the gas, right? Yeah. And, like, this number should be seven. Like every which way, but loose it like, this is just a flat seven, obviously on the market, like point spreads uh, from the past, it's seven, right? Like why, why would they be, you know, they ended up closing 10, 10 and a half uh, at Tampa Bay. So why would they only be six at Cincinnati? Is Cincinnati five points on a neutral worse than this version of Tampa Bay, especially with all we know now about Tampa Bay? Certainly not, right? So I'm hoping that people come kind of come piling in here a little bit on the Falcons, and we might be able to get a minus five and a half just for that, like, overtime, like, maybe come on, pull off a miracle if we need it type of situation. I just don't think we're going to need it. The Falcons have their own cluster injuries in the secondary, and this Bengals team is not the team that you want to face. Now, you know, we were worried, those of us who have T. Higgins in fantasy last week, you know, certainly worried about his status. He gets, what, 10 targets, like six, seven catches. Oh, he's already pulled it out, folks. The card <laughs> the, the card is out. He is switching over. I've convinced him. I just think this is a really good spot for the Bengals here to kind of flex. Um, and honestly, the Falcons, you know, listen, we love them. Undefeated against the spread. Listen, you know, I've got a 28 to 1 on them, like, winning the division here that is somehow live six weeks into the season. You know, I got nothing negative necessarily to say about the Falcons. I just think that this sets up as a really, really good spot to take a favorite. It will be one of the very few that we take this week. Yes, yes, it will. As we keep things moving, and as mentioned too, for the audio listeners and video listeners, you can see I did change the pick. The pick has been changed to the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's keep things moving, though. As you mentioned, taking underdogs and i'm on the underdogs in this game although i don't know if this was the game you were referring to (laughs) lions at cowboys cowboys at home seven point favorites all signs seem to be pointing that dak prescott will be back and even in lieu of that i will be on the detroit lions coming off a bye week getting seven points on the road what say you my friend yeah, the expectation is that Dak Prescott is going to start this game. My hope is when that sort of becomes official, and this is sort of, this is interesting whether this happens or not. My hope is when this becomes official, this line moves to seven and a half. And hmm. if and when it does, I don't think it's going to last long. If it has, by the time you've listened to this, I don't think it will have last long. I don't think this is just going to stay, if it gets there, just stay at seven and a half. This is a situation where people are waiting to get sort of this good injury news for the Cowboys, have this come off the key number of seven, and then bet Detroit. And if it doesn't, if all of that happens and it doesn't move, I think that's a really good indicator that the Lions are potentially the right side in this game. Now, the Lions have their own injury issues that we have to sort of keep our eye on. Coming off the bye week, the hope was... DeAndre Swift would be coming back. Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be coming back. Maybe the offensive line gets a little bit healthy. You'll remember that we were against them, against the Saints, 
Um, and we were against them against the Seahawks the previous two weeks because of these injuries that had piled up. So, you know, hopefully they left those guys out against the Saints so that they could get healthy for this game for coming out of uh, their bye week. So, yeah, we're going to keep our eye on that because this offensive line is one of the few offensive lines when healthy that can do well against the Dallas Cowboys strength, which is obviously their front seven. If that ends up being the case here, you know, it comes down to the type of teams these guys are, right? Like we don't want anything to do with the Lions when they're minus four, minus six against even the Seahawks of the world, right? Right. We also don't really want anything to do with the Cowboys when they're laying big weight here, right? We were looking for the Cowboys when they were underdogs, when they were short favorites, that sort of thing. And even last week against the Eagles, we weren't looking for them because that was a really tough spot for them. I was really impressed with the Cowboys, the way they hung in there and the way they got themselves back into that game. And I'll tell you right now, we're going to be on the Cowboys the next time these two teams, the Eagles and the Cowboys, that is, uh, play. That being said here, like, this is the spot for the Lions, right? It's the underdog spot. Like, oh, they're down 17 points at halftime. Same old Lions. And then all of a sudden, they just get crazy loose in the second half, right? Things get a little tight on the Cowboys' side, and the Lions come in and backdoor. And honestly, I think the Lions have a chance to win this game outright. I'll certainly be having them in the round-robin underdog money line parlay because the last we saw Dak Prescott, the offense wasn't exactly moving so smoothly either right and when you have this thumb injury maybe it's good enough to play because cooper rush is throwing what two three interceptions last week and they're now dying all of a sudden to get dap rack but what if he gets hit on that hand and i'm not saying even get knocked out of the game but like a fumble here or there might be sort of percentage points more likely to happen a sort of misthrown you know interception ball might be a little bit more likely to happen so i'm looking to play on the uncertainty of Okay, like Dak's back. That's great. Let's move the line or keep this line around seven because certainly we've expected Dak to be back. This wouldn't be the line if it was Cooper Rush. I'll tell you that right now. You know, the expectation Dak coming back, but the expectation by this line is that he's going to be awesome. And I will play against that on a team that we already like playing against as an underdog, as a significant underdog in the Lions here, plus seven. I like it. I like it. And a team that I don't like playing as underdogs or like playing at all is the Indianapolis Colts, who find themselves as two and a half point underdogs in Tennessee, which has me on Tennessee. Reason being, I still don't trust the Colts. I know it was they looked good. They they did their job. They looked all right. Still not buying it. Not buying Matt Ryan wash stock as of yet. Give me the Titans minus two and a half short field goal at home to win it cool i'm cool with that what say you uh i don't love this game um obviously teaser element there with colts plus plus eight and a half that being said like would you be shocked if matt ryan just threw a bunch of interceptions and fumbled the ball away to the degree where the titans won this game you know comfortably especially coming off of their bye week i certainly wouldn't um thing is i look at this line though and it was what week four. So literally three weeks ago mm-hmm. that the Titans played at the Colts and okay. Understood. The Titans won that game. I was on the Titans that day, but you'll recall there was a big line move in that game where the Colts ended up. I think that number got to like five, five and a half after being mm-hmm. three, three and a half. And that three and a half felt like, you know, a half point too high. And then it got higher. And it was one of those games. I think we talked about like, it was one of those that was so confusing that like we should have made more money on it, but it was so confusing that it would move that much in the in the favor of the Colts that like you almost were kind of paralyzed to do anything about it. Now, if that closes five, 
then as you know we got to do the you know the home field flip what colts titans that's got to be what one and a half two points for each so kind of at the maximum four well if we're going from colts minus five and knocking that down four points for the flip it kind of has to be colts minus one right and like yeah you'll say well the titans won that game the titans got out to a 14 nothing lead and like held on for dear life here yeah right so even with that sort of change in the rating that bump up to the titans in their rating from winning that game and from having what three straight wins since they got blown out by the bills my numbers still come out to this being about minus one or minus one and a half and this opened at three so the money's already come in on the colts grabbing that plus three sort of as fast as <laughs> as human beings could possibly do it so that's why we've gone from three to two and a half so you know, all that is said, I just don't like, I don't, I don't really like anything to do with this game just yet. I mean, maybe I'll talk myself into one side or the other. I think from a value standpoint, it's the Colts certainly at plus three, but since those are long gone, you know, I'm not going to all of a sudden just flip my pick here to yeah. Tennessee minus two and a half, even though I could totally see them, you know, having a pretty good, a pretty successful day uh, on Sunday against this Colts team that again, I'm still not sold on either. So um, I think really just kind of two bad options at a weird price. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't really want anything to do with it. Speaking about weird prices and just weird vibes all around, we got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, five and a half point road favorites in Washington, where I'll just say there appears to be a lot going on these days <laughs> in Washington and no. the commanders, but um, I just can't ride with the commanders under any circumstance at all. And I understand that the Packers have looked horrible absolutely yeah. horrible the last few weeks i get that i understand that but this will be the game that i will say i will go down with the packers <laughs> if they're about to go down i know laying five and a half points on a week where i'm coming on this pod and saying i'm taking underdogs i get it laying five and a half on the road it's not a place that i really want to be at with aaron Rodgers and company right now but this will be the death wish of just this Never is this is the talk of a guy who hasn't had the Packers in a teaser or in Survivor the last two weeks, who didn't Correct. have to watch Correct. what the Packers have been doing over the last couple of weeks. If I could virtually, I would reach over through the border, the virtual border <laughs> here, grab the card and, and place it for you here. You cannot <laughs> bet on the Packers in this situation. <laughs> you cannot do it. <laughs> you don't even have you don't even have the Carson Wentz excuse because now oh, he's yes. out of the picture. They're going with Heineke, I and forgot you're going about with that. your man's Heineke. Who oh. Like, by the way, is like I like ex Heineke. Experienced, functional, and like knows the offense, and has you know has obviously been doing it for a couple of years there uh, mm. in in that uh, in that organization. Mm. And so now you're getting five and a half points again. Maybe we might see a six. Like that would be just absolutely absurd. Listen. Washington looked awful against the Bears on Thursday night, but like, isn't that kind of the point, right? Where the Packers have been like hiding in plain sight somehow, even though they looked awful in the second half against the Giants, certainly looked awful. They had guys getting on their offensive line, getting spun around and pushed like from the back into Rodgers. Like the guy was literally 180 degree turn and getting pushed into Rodgers. Like the the commander's defensive line should have a heyday. Like they are so desperate on this offensive line to like 
revive David Bakhtiari at this point. Like it's somehow a story on a weekly basis. Like is David Bakhtiari going to play? And then he plays like a quarter and has to go sit down because it's like, yeah, he just doesn't have it anymore. Like, I'm sorry. It's an offensive line is a really tough position to play. It along with cornerback are the two most difficult positions to play. And I'm including quarterback in all of that, because honestly you can get by at quarterback if you know where to throw the ball via coaching, right? Like we saw that with Skylar Thompson last week. There's nobody on this, you know, everybody blames the wide receivers on the Packers. It's like, no, their offense is literally just Aaron Rodgers back up, throw it as deep as he possibly can to Romeo Dubs, and then otherwise just hand the ball to Corey Dillon or Aaron Jones. And then the offensive line gets blown up. You don't think the Washington Commanders defensive line is capable of that? Of course they are. And yeah, the secondary is pretty brutal for the Commanders, but honestly, so is the so are the wide receiver, you know, combination here with Aaron Rodgers, the passing game. So like what am I supposed to be afraid of? I've got a guy in Heineke that, again, I think is more functional than, you know, on offense than Carson Wentz. Certainly less likely, I think, to turn the ball over, though who knows if that's true. And honestly, the commanders, now that Brian Robinson's in there for a couple of games, they got a bunch of options in the short passing game and in the running game that they're going to be able to do well. Like, I didn't even think the Jets played all that well last week. They got a block punt to help them out. We'll talk about them here in a second. But, like, I think the Packers are just, they just stink. They just stink. And they're five and a half on the road against anybody. Like hard pass for me. This is, I mean, you don't have to bet this game, but like you certainly cannot bet the Packers in this game. Okay. The card, the cards out. And and it's funny. This is a state that we're at with the, the Packers. The deciding factor was, oh yeah, Carson Wentz isn't playing. Taylor Heineke is. That was my deciding yeah, factor. Right? That's where we are with the Packers. Just because says a, enough. Just because an organization made the decision to pay capital for Carson Wentz doesn't mm -hmm. mean it was the right decision, especially as it applies to the Washington Com Washington Commanders. So like this is a team that is more likely to accidentally find something when they're trying not to find something. You know what I mean? Like they're accidentally you know, capable of getting Sam Howell, who's now moved from third string to backup. Like he might be in, in the first quarter, if Heineke gets hurt and he might be the best quarterback on the roster, which mm -hmm. normally we would say, Oh, listen, like, you know, teams know who's good on their team. And like, there's a reason this guy's a third string quarterback. Would you apply that logic to the Washington commanders in any way, shape or form? Hell no. Sam Howell might be the best quarterback on the roster and Taylor Heineke might be the second best quarterback on the roster. And Carson Wentz might be the worst quarterback on the roster, but they paid for that. And that's why they're invested in even playing him up until this point. Yeah. I mean, makes a lot of sense for sure. The pick has been switched to the commandos. Let's keep <laughs> things moving. We got Tom Brady and the Bucks as 11 point favorites in the Panthers house. Now, Such normally, normally I say you have to talk me into <laughs> taking the favorite in the double-digit spreads. <laughs> but every once in a while, there's a game like this one where it's like, I, I, I need to be talked into why I should be taking the Panthers under any circumstances at all. And also, Robert Kraft's not getting married this week, so Tom Brady might have a free schedule for, you know, practice. That might help him a little. Maybe a little walkthrough action. Either way, give me the Bucks minus 11. A full week of Tom Brady yelling at his O-lineman. Let's see the Bucks roll. Yeah, honestly, I can't 
I can't get in the way of that. I mean, listen, I was on the I was on the Panthers last week at plus ten against that Rams team, and the Rams were dying to not cover that game. Just oh, like I mean, first of all, the Panthers were up at halftime. Do not let that fool you, right? <laughs> PJ Walker is horrendous, absolutely horrendous, and, and and it's my fault for not realizing he was that bad. I guess. Because all that was required from the Panthers' offense was a touchdown at some point, right? They got the scripted three points uh, at the start. They got the pick six that Matt Stafford is, like, dying to give every single game. And then all they needed was any kind semblance of points to be able to cover 10 uh, on the road against the Rams last week. Which I guess is, like, good news about the Panthers. The bad news is you just look at the sideline. And I mean, forget it for a moment, Robbie Anderson pulling a low level Antonio Brown in that game. The rest of the team does not respect what Steve Wilkes is doing and the decisions he was making. You talked, you and I talked about how like we might see the kitchen sink from the Panthers, throw a fake punt in the mix. Like they certainly had opportunities to throw a fake punt in the mix. They had plenty of punts in the game. Like, give me something here, man. And like nothing, right? So this team is lifeless. Speaking of like unfortunate quarterback situations, like I just had to Google what Sam Darnold's setup is because he's back from the injured list. You know, he's designated to return this week. Does that mean he actually plays or not? I mean, if you watched PJ Walker, who could not complete a pass down the field, absolute heyday for PPR Christian McCaffrey, by the way, like absolute heyday but like could not complete a pass down the field. He's atrocious, not even like running with the football really at any point in time. Like this team is so incredibly bad, but man, it is 11 points on the road, right? Like that isn't ideal, especially off, you know, with the Bucks team that, uh, you know, we don't like, this is two, these are two teams that I want to fade for completely, you know, in completely different situations, right? Like I want to fade, the Bucks, I mean, all the yeah. time. And then I want or, or the Panthers all the time. And then the Bucks, I want to fade anytime they're giving any kind of points here, getting getting credit mm-hmm. because the market keeps rating them and in a, as a top five team. They keep rating them higher yeah. than the Philadelphia Eagles. I reference my column every week about like where the closing lines are and how that's indicating odds makers rating a team. And so like if people are disagreeing with that, you are disagreeing with the market. So if you don't think that the Buccaneers are the third or fourth best team, you are disagreeing with the market. And I'm agreeing with you, by the way, <laughs> right? Like, but if they're if they're just going to keep rating them that way, which by the way, like they have that same rate, like this is about an, a fair point spread. It's actually probably a little bit high, but like that's because we can't possibly find the bottom with the Panthers. You and I talked about like these different teams that have like rotated into like oblivion essentially like last in the ratings because Dak Prescott got hurt with the Cowboys like we've listed them every every week on this podcast but there's literally one every week and every time it's like well it's kind of really artificial why you might say the Steelers are the worst team all of a sudden or the Titans are the worst team or the Cowboys are the worst team all of a sudden like with the Panthers like we saw it last week where like this team is awful and so like this might there is reason to you know to believe that this team is the worst team. So like if this were the Texans and the Bucks were on the road to the Texans, like this would probably be the line. And you and I would be a lot more into backing the Texans in that situation than we would be the Panthers here. So I'm not going to get in the way of it. I'm also like not looking to put a ton of money behind necessarily a double digit road favorite in the NFL. Uh it'll I'll be interested to see whether Sam Darnold like comes out of the wherever he's been for the last uh, few months and see whether he actually plays. Cause it's, it cannot be worse 
he could Sam Darnold could play left-handed and it wouldn't be worse than PJ Walker. So my question in terms of what can be possibly worse, I want to know if there's <laughs> something worse is being on the Jags as three-point home favorites. We you alluded to this last week, and I understand what the look ahead line was. I understand that everyone like I wrote down the pick. Giants at Jags, Jags at home favored by three. I wrote down, I'm taking the Giants plus three, knowing that everyone and their moms will be on the Giants plus three here, which makes me believe this to be a sucker bet. (laughs) And yet I still can't not be the sucker. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, right? Like, well, yeah, like there isn't, you know, not every line is like coaxing you into doing something, right? Like that's not really what this is, but certain games, uh, sportsbook is fine with being on one side or the other, right? Like they are not expecting to get balanced. The way I I envision it anyway, they're not expecting to get balanced money on giants, like getting three just firing off underdog victories left and right against a Jags team that it's been a minute since they've won. Now you'll recall, it wasn't that long ago, again, two weeks ago that people were like tripping over themselves to bet the Jags on the road at Philadelphia. Yep. Right. And like, Oh yeah, they lost to Philly. Like, yep. That makes a ton of sense. Like, and by the way, like up double digits at the Colts last week and like certainly viable, like to win that game late, you know, two point conversion here, a kind of, Let's be honest, a little bit fluky Colts touchdown late. You know, that was another game where if you, you know, you were on the right or the wrong side of that victory, you have to look back and be like, yeah, honestly, that game could have gone either way. Like that was one of those, you know, in the middle games where it could have been an L or it could have been a W. We don't really know. All that is to say like, okay, yeah, the, the middle the game in between there is the Jags losing at home to Houston. And like, that's the thing I think that people are sort of hung up on here because I don't think it's embarrassing that they lost on the road to either the Colts or the Eagles. It's just, we're looking at it going like, man, they lost to the Texans. They also had, and listen, we were on the Texans, like, but it's, you know, I would categorize that under it's football, but like the Jags had like 200 more yards than the Mm -hmm. Texans did that day. Right. Like they just happened to like bleep it up a couple of times. I don't, I'm not dying to lay lay points here with the Jags necessarily, but like, you know, who are people going to bet on? Right. Like, you know, the New Yorkers, the New Jersey people, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's just going to be like, yeah, Giants, (laughs) here we go. And like, it's not like the line is wrong, by the way, the line should be three. It was three. You mentioned the look ahead. Like the line was three last week. The games went down. The Giants won. The Jags lost. It's still three, right? And it doesn't appear that it's going to move off three. We just saw what it takes for a game to move off three. People looking at the Colts and the Titans and being like, oh, Colts plus three is too high. Like, Mm -hmm. we should take this now because it's not going to get any better. Like, that hasn't been the case here. And I don't think it's because nobody's betting on the Giants. I just don't think the big, sharp money that was, you know, going to indicate where this line should go I just don't, they're not the ones betting on the Giants here. So this feels like, hey, everybody, come see the sweet deal you're getting on the Giants. And then, I don't know, Jags win by 10, something like that. You know what I mean? And then you're just like, oh, God, I didn't see didn't see that coming, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. As I said, it's a weird, weird place to be where I'm just confidently betting on the Giants. But here we are. Um <laughs> As we move on to the Didn't sound all that confident in, fa- in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. We will keep things moving though with the Browns at the Ravens. Ravens are six point favorites at home. 
this is another one of those games where I will reluctantly plug my nose and take the underdogs here and the Cleveland Browns. Um, this is where one of those games where I will need Jacoby Brissett to not throw the fourth quarter interception, maybe just throw the backdoor cover yeah. touchdown. How, how about that for once, Jacoby? Is that too much to ask? Anyways, point remains. The Ravens have just been doing the most to throw games away late. So maybe they're, you know, two ships passing by or whatever mm. that's that saying is. <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, I'm on the points and the Cleveland, I was about to say Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. That's how you know we're doing this in the NBA season just started. <laughs> Yeah, for those who don't know, Sheldon's day job is is as a producer on an NBA uh, national broadcast. Uh, so he's deep into it as far as the association is concerned. So I'm surprised that's the first time that you've done that sort of thing. Uh, I'm on the same page with you here. Uh, line, I have six and a half. Like that's and that's my sort of adjust, you know, adjusted ratings with all of this. Um, the appropriate line is six and a half. So again, I'm not far off of market on Baltimore or Cleveland. I think we mm -hmm. talked about this last week. I think we think we have a pretty strong idea of where Cleveland is, mm -hmm. and it's why we were on the Patriots last week. Like this, these things can sort of work both ways, right? Shouts to my guy Zappy. From, um, absolutely. Well, listen, we're going to get to him. Oh, yeah. um, Baltimore, like, again, what is, what have they shown that is going to suggest that like they should be, and you're getting, you've got six up there right now. Like, unless I'm missing something and I'm going to fire it up here while I'm talking here. Like, I think this was six and a half. Yeah. There's six and a half out there. And honestly, I'm hoping somebody decides to get this thing up to seven. That would be really great. So I haven't made this bet yet, but mm -hmm. I'm certainly going to bet on the Browns here because yeah, like what have the Ravens shown that they're going to pull away to beat anybody? right like this is a this is that game where like they might have a three-point lead late they might take the field goal with justin tucker and go up six and then like trust their defense to stop jacoby Brissett, and like they'll probably be really correct about that <laughs> right but like there's enough weapons on the browns where like they can actually take advantage of this defense and i think and this is speaking of zappy and the patriots like i think the element here is i think we're discounting in a weird way like this line and where we're at here with the Browns discounts how good the Patriots might be, mm -hmm. right? Like it looks bad losing by three touchdowns to the Patriots last week. Patriots might be really, really good again. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to be the most exciting thing. You're not running out to grab anybody for your fantasy team on the Patriots. But like, if you want like just a really good team, that's not going to screw stuff up. Mm -hmm. The Patriots might be your squad, right? Yeah. And like right now the Ravens aren't that even with our guy Lamar, right? Like he is, he is, I mean, he's our guy, but he's also doing the thing that we know Lamar does. He's giving the ball away, fumbles too and interceptions. Loose. Too loose with the football. We're going on two years of you and I talking about Lamar being too loose. So like, yeah, the Browns defense, like, yep, pretty bad. Like, and doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. But like the defenses get a little bit better in these divisional matchups, right? Like on both sides of the ball. So yeah. like, yeah, this is going to be a little bit closer. I want to get every half point I can possibly get. Certainly the six and a half is fine. I'm waiting to see if there's some sort of rogue seven that pops up because people get excited because like, you know, John Harbaugh off of a loss or, you know, like who knows what kind of crazy stories people are going to come up with here. But like, to me, this is just, I can't trust the Ravens giving a touchdown or at this point, you know, almost more than a touchdown. <laughs> I totally hear you on that one. I don't know who to trust in this game, and I don't know if Vegas clearly doesn't know who to trust in this game either, as you have the Jets at the Broncos in a pick'em game. And, I mean, 
we know I'm not a fan of Russell Wilson. I was about to say Russell Westbrook, who I am a fan of, which gets very confusing at times. But that's the second NBA reference of this pod. I apologize. (laughs) But Jets, Broncos, I'm definitely not riding with Russell Wilson, despite the fact they did cover on Monday night. They didn't win, but they covered. I guess that's progress. I'm not going to say that's all we asked from them because, like, we did, you know, for the round robin underdog money line parlay, we did ask them to win. For sure. Damn, if they didn't come close, like most of our underdogs this season, which has been good for the point spread. And as you say, like, that's, you know, that's enough for us sometimes. Part of the game, part of the game sometimes. I mean, at least he started off well on their scripted plays, right? (laughs) But with that said, I'm rolling with the Jets in this Pick'em game and whatever. I don't have much on this game at all. (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't lie to you. Well, I mean, the key is like, are we going to get actual Russell Wilson in this game? And like, how does that affect the line? And does that matter? And like, where's your, you know, what is your opinion off of that? And there's a couple of different clues here. Clue number one is, well, this open three Denver Ooh. and is now down to pick him. Is that where it ends up? If Brett Rippon is your starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, we haven't seen a ton of Brett Rippon. He had an, he almost had an opportunity a couple of years ago, but he was in the same COVID uh, room. I'm pretty sure with uh, what Drew Locke and uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater was still there when uh, Kendall Hinton had to play quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple of years ago, he actually played against the Jets. It was I think it was this. I might be you know conflating games here, but I think it was the Sam Darnold I'm seeing ghost games because um, it was a primetime game against the Jets. But maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing my games here. Point is, like, we have seen him, and he played pretty well in that game. And you mentioned the scripted plays. Like, okay, Russell Wilson's 10 for 10 to start the game. Like, yeah, that's because that's the scripted plays. The coach is telling you days in advance, this is where we're throwing the football on this play. Once the game gets going and it's like, is that 8, 2, 5, like, blah, 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 Razor, Cougar, whatever, it's like, okay, that's the play, but like, where am I supposed to throw it? What coverage are they playing? Like all of that sort of stuff that like, it's crazy to say, but like the more you start hearing stuff out of Seattle about the Russell Wilson era back then is like a lot of it was just like, obviously the best plays that Russell was making was like on the run, like escape mode and like throwing like loopers over to like Tyler Lockett and, you know, DK Metcalf and obviously, you know, the Doug Baldwins of the world, you know, back in their heyday. But like when it's structured, and he's supposed to go somewhere due to coverage. Monday, the Monday Night Football broadcast did a really nice job of showing, like, it's not the offense that's broken. That dude's open on this play. That dude's open on this play. And then you watch the game, and he's literally zipping balls past the tight end on third and two to, like, a guy who's, like, KG Hamler, who's, like, double covered 10 yards further down the field. Like, he doesn't have the vision. And, he, and the worst part is he thinks he does. Whereas at least Brett Rippon probably knows his limitations, right? Like he knows, okay, like I'm supposed to throw it here. Again, it's like watching, it's, a, it's weird that I've referenced him three times here. We haven't even gotten to their game. Skylar Thompson last week, watching him for a quarter and a half, like next to no arm strength when it comes to like NFL caliber, but he's just throwing it into spaces where he knows guys are open. And this is a rookie who's like knows enough about the playbook to A, get the start over Teddy Bridgewater and have, like, the Dolphins be pretty okay with it. And, like, he's just finding guys open. Now, they kept, you know, getting penalties, so it didn't really work out, and obviously he ended up getting hurt, and who knows what would have happened outside of the scripted plays. But the point is, anybody can do the scripted plays, right? Skylar Thompson can do them. 
Brett Rippin can do them. Unfortunately, <laughs> Russell Wilson can do them and like kind of nothing else, it seems like at this point. So it's kind of Carson Wentzy here where you're <laughs> like, is this really a downgrade? Because we know, you know, what was lost in that last week was like Broncos defense, really good. Like Justin Herbert, like, you know, what was his excuse? You know, I think his excuse was the Broncos defense is really good. And so if they're really good against Justin Herbert, they're probably going to be really good against Zach Wilson, who, by the way, had like 80 yards or 100 yards last week against the Packers. Like he wasn't the reason that the Jets, you know, it's funny, the Jets pull away from these teams in the second half, the Packers, uh, the you know, aforementioned Skylar Thompson, Miami Dolphins. And it's like the Jets get all this credit for like being great. And it's like, no, they probably just have a really good defense. The running game is okay, but the quarterback is still a problem. Yeah. So, like, I look at this game and I go, okay, well, once Wilson gets ruled out, how much further is this line going to go? Because the total is dropped from 42 to 38, which isn't necessarily just because not nobody can picture how either of these teams is going to score 20 points against the other, though that's a very fair point. But it's also because, like, it doesn't seem like Russell Wilson is going to play in this game. And if he does, he's doing so with a sore hamstring. And so the one thing that you might be worried about, Wilson's escapability, his, you know, his ability to convert a first down here and there by running the football, like, if that goes away, what do you have left with Wilson? So, like, is that really going to be the worst thing? And by the way, like, if we thought the Wilson version of this team should be three-point home favorites against the Jets... And this ends up crossing over and making the Jets road favorites. Don't we have to take the Broncos at that point in time? Like the same Broncos team that again, with a honestly pretty garbage Russell Wilson, like beat the 49ers, a pretty healthy 49ers team at the time. Like should have beaten the Colts at home. Again, if Russell Wilson hadn't thrown the intercept, right? Like it all kind of comes down to like Russell Wilson not being very good and why we don't like the Broncos in these various situations. In the same yeah. way, unfortunately, we we look at Carson Wentz. So like, okay, take him out of the lineup. Give us four, five, who knows where this line might go if and when he actually gets ruled out of this game. Could the Jets be minus three? Could we get plus three with the Broncos because it's Brett Rippon and like people apparently don't like Brett Rippon even though he somehow managed to stay in the league for like four or five years? Like, I'll take my chances with Brett Rippa. Yeah, that's a super tough one for sure. I think at the end of the day, the, the biggest part that I think of is maybe we'll try and get in contact with one of Russell Wilson's teammates and they can get in contact with his business manager yep. to find out if he's going to play this week. Yeah, we'll loop it around. We'll get the we'll, we'll get the wheels in motion. It's quite literally a wheel of communication there. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, honestly like I don't even mind the Jets pick them. I'm just saying like if this keeps moving, like I think Broncos have to be sort of a, a consideration for you. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, let's keep it moving with the Texans at the Raiders. Raiders at home at seven point favorites. You know me, I love betting on my Houston Texans in these spots where they are a touchdown or more underdogs. And here we are. I mean, things are going from bad to worse for the Raiders. And so should the Raiders be able to beat the Texans and give them a go? And, and, you know, should this be a win for the Raiders or it's like, Oh, this is the team that they should be and blah, 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 all that fun stuff. Cool. But I'm not ready to lay seven points. With them. <laughs> like That's just not where I'm going to be. So I'm going to be on the Texans here. Give me the seven points. Yeah. It's funny, right? Like, couple of you know on, on each side here right you get you look at the texans uk that you're they're four and one 
ATS. Nobody thinks they're any good, but they're four and one. That one was a game that they got down to three points against the Chargers who were in, you know, cover territory. And the Chargers pulled off a late drive to get back up to 10 points and cover that game. Mm -hmm. The Chargers don't do that. It's five and oh for the Texans. And we're looking at them the same way, potentially, that we're looking at the Falcons going like, look at this team against the spread, like blah, blah, blah. Only we're probably looking at the Texans, you know, like we're still looking at them like, yeah, well, you're still one and four win-loss record, whereas at least the Falcons are three and three. So it's like, okay, the tiebreaker is like your regular season or your actual record when like doesn't really matter for us. We don't really care about your regular season record. I honestly, you could probably just start firing teams at me and like I might get like 30% of their actual like outright records correct, right? Fair. Because like I only think of things in the terms of market and against the spread and all of that sort of thing. All that is to say, why on earth would we ever be laying seven points with the Raiders? And the thing is, the Raiders are probably the same team that they were last year when they were a playoff team. But guess what? This is the NFL. And, you know, and whether it's your and I's, you know, record against the spread on any given Sunday, I think you say you were five and nine. I was six and eight because I don't, I think the one difference was I couldn't convince you off of the Cowboys on Sunday night. And like, had I done that, like we both would have been six and eight. And it's like, yeah, okay. There was five games that could have flipped either way. And we weren't on the right side of either of those. That's exactly how the Raiders season went last year, where it was, yeah, they actually won a bunch of really close games. Like they had a really good record in close games this year. They're what one in four and they have an absolutely garbage record in really close camera games. Guys over. And they're pushing camera guys over. Right. But it's like, it's just all kind of the same thing because it's the NFL and like all the teams are kind of like that for some teams, they just end up six and six at the end of the year in their close games. Some teams end up 12 and three one year and three and 12 the next year. And that's how you go from being a playoff team to not being a playoff team and vice versa. Yeah. And the point is, is like the Raiders play a lot of close games and it isn't just like against the Broncos or against the, you know, chiefs or whatever. It's like, it's against the bad teams too. And this bad teams had a week off. They actually seem to have an identity as they finally realized like Damian Pierce is a difference maker like this is our dude this is what we wanted from the texans from before the season like use a pretty decent offensive line to gain push to have damian pierce who like is angry running through people at this point like let's use this guy they're using him <laughs> listen could the raiders win this game by by a margin yeah, of course they could they just kind of never do, yeah. right? Like, and I mean, obviously their one win this year was against the Broncos. And like, you look at that and, you know, we talked about that from a teaser standpoint, that was a nine point win when we had plus eight and a half in teasers. And it's like, you watch that game and you're like, the Raiders were not nine points better than the Denver Broncos, right? Like there's just, yeah. that's just not a thing that actually exists. It's just sort of the way that this game ended. You know what? I'll dare the Raiders. I'll dare the Raiders <laughs> to win by more than seven points. I'll dare the wait Raiders to win this game outright. I'm going to have the Texans here on a money line parlay. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. And this also reminds me, you're talking about making dares. I'm going to also make a dare for the Chargers to win this game by six and a half as they are home favorites. Again, six and a half point favorites at home to the Seattle Seahawks. I will be riding with Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. This is just such a weird week. And this is either going to go really well or really bad for me yeah. because there's always this thought in the back of my mind. There's a point in the NFL season where 
in in my mind, and I'm not sure if this is reality or just in my made up world, where Vegas sort of figures out who's good and who's not. So you get these spreads where you're thinking, you know, there's a lot of teams, and you're either like, all right, you're gonna be guessing the the blowouts, yeah, right, and it's like, no, not really. So it's either I feel like I'm nervous about this week because it's gonna go either really well, or really really poorly. But give me the six and a half points with Geno Smith. Gino hasn't steered me wrong this season too often so far. Yeah. I mean, the, the short answer is, yep. Right. Like, and, and the longer answer is like, isn't this the exact same situation that we just talked about? Only like we actually have a little exactly. bit more confidence in Seattle than we even do Houston, like at least from a scoring standpoint. Yep. Um, couple of things here that are worth sort of mentioning, at least going, especially going back to the, the Raiders game, like the number seven, like that makes sense from a market standpoint. My ratings have that closer to five, right? And you. that is like a really sort of tried and true sort of better than average sort of, you mm-hmm. know, uh, success rate when it comes to that kind of thing. This you. game's a little bit different. My, my numbers come to six and a half for this mm-hmm. game. The market number goes to seven and a half. But that's almost entirely because Seattle was somehow two and a half point underdogs at home to Arizona. Now, I was on Arizona because I'm an idiot, but because I went against my numbers and I was like, listen, Seattle is so bad. Like Arizona's offense is actually going to find something in this game. And I thought, you know, listen, we we talked about it last week. The funny thing is, like, they immediately, you know, sort of the odds makers or whatever are immediately going like, yeah, we kind of screwed that one up. Like, I don't. Like, even if he asked them, I don't think they would sort of know, like, why that was. But yet, mm-hmm. the number didn't really move, and nobody sort of checked them on it. They're sort of checking themselves in this in this case because they're like, this game should be seven and a half based on those ratings, but, like, those ratings were wrong. And that's not something that, you know, odds makers or myself, like, admit because we go, oh, it was just one game. That was a one-game outlier where everybody just sort of bumped up Arizona for some reason and then didn't really give Seattle credit for what they had done, even playing close games uh, or a close game against the Saints and, of course, winning outright against Detroit on the road. So, like, yeah, we know they can play on the road. Saints is a really good, you know, home field advantage. Honestly, Detroit's a really good home field advantage. Like, it's all relative because Detroit's usually bad, but they are often, you know, a lot better at home, even in being, like, you know, even in the category of badness. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to the Chargers, like just down, I can say just down the road, but like not that far away. Team that doesn't have any home field advantage, who's playing on a short week. And so, yeah, like, of course, the market, the, the odds makers are like, no, we cannot make this seven and a half. Seven, which is where the look ahead line was. They're like, nope, can't do that. And now they move it to six and a half. And honestly, I think money's coming in and pushing this thing down to six. Mm-hmm. All of that is to say, like, yep. All of that makes sense to me. Like, I'm, I think the Seattle Seahawks win this game outright at this point because the Chargers do have all of these injury issues that they still, you know, have to deal with. The offense, you know, you're watching that game on Monday, and as much as we give credit to the Broncos' defense, you go like, okay, outside of Mike Williams, like, what else do we got out here from a target perspective, right? Like, Donald Parham's making the odd catch. Josh, what's, what's his name, is making the catch. You know what I mean? Like, DeAndre Carter's getting targets, and it's like a lot of Austin Eckler in our lives. Like, yeah, I expect the Chargers to score a lot, but I honestly expect the Seahawks to score a lot too because, again, yeah. they keep doing work. So, yeah, man, this is another one. Like, all of these teams that are at set, six, seven points, like, which one of them's 
which one of them do you trust and which ones do you do you not right Bengals you know for all of the rating that we sort of you know have, have are relatively low on with them still made it to the Super Bowl last year what are, sure. the, what are the Chargers the Raiders the you know what I mean like all Ravens. of these the I mean the Ravens like you can sort of make the case but like what have they done this year that like makes us all that excited about them um yeah, there's going to be a handful of, I mean, like, listen, the, the no, Packers on the road, right? Like, it's just a laundry list of teams here where you're like, why am I, why do I think they're going to win by two scores? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But, like, it makes sense from, like, you know, market rating and how these point spreads are getting made. But, like, I'll take all these points. Let's go. Uh, I will not be taking the points in our next game here. And that's despite the fact it is my San Francisco 49ers because they are at home to – I guess I got to say my Kansas City Chiefs, mm -hmm. as you will laugh at me, because in a gambling term, they are my Kansas City Chiefs, because week in, week out, <laughs> I probably end up losing because I will bet on the Chiefs. And here against the Niners, I'm at it again. Give me the Chiefs as three-point favorites on the road against San Francisco. I just think in the, at the end of the day, I can't see Garoppolo. And it's not about Garoppolo. I know that. But I just can't see the offense keeping up enough. And if the Niners' D is still banged up, it's just not going to be a good look for the Niners in this game. Well, I got good news and I got bad news for you. And they're the exact same thing. <laughs> as, you were, as we've been talking here in the last hour or so on Wednesday afternoon, mm -hmm. the line is down to two and a half. Ooh. So the good news is you get to bet Kansas City minus two and a half. I'm changing that right now. The yes. bad news is, as sort of limits have gone up and information has come in about who might be playing this week, I know there was early week murmurs that Trent Williams might be back and Nick Bosa might be back. To me, that indicates, you know, if you're, again, what does it take to come off of three, right? Something pretty significant, whether it's information or money. And in both cases, the information and or the money has come in on San Francisco to rip this thing off of three. So, again, like, no, I get you, get, you get the half point, right? And you get, like, a very key half point. Like, do not get, don't get me wrong here, right? And that's the same thing that happened last week, by the way, right? Kansas City mm -hmm. was three-point, but in sort of a reverse way. But Kansas City was three-point underdogs. And then that went to two and a half. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you were a Buffalo backer, you got to bet Buffalo minus two and a half. Now, listen, when the music stopped, Buffalo ended up covering that game. Were they the right side or was that a 50-50 coin flippy type side? Like who's to say, you know, they were I'll covering they were covering for like <laughs> one minute of the entire game. So yeah. like maybe the Chiefs were sort of theoretically the right side there. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to you want to stick with it? That's cool. Listen, I, like my early inclination was San Francisco plus three. Mm -hmm. uh, I put a small, small bet on San Francisco plus three just on like the speculation, like you might get an injury report that helps the Niners. Honestly, it couldn't be any worse than it was last week. Yeah. Now that plus three, like looks decently valuable. I don't know that that's even like what I even want to be on come Sunday. I might be right there with you on Kansas city. at minus yeah. two and a half. Um, again, like with the 49ers, honestly, more than most teams at this point, because of the sheer volume of injuries, it's gotta be a wait and see approach to see who's definitely, playing. definitely agree with you there for sure. Um, Sunday night football action sees the Steelers at the Dolphins. Dolphins at home favored by seven points. And I know there's rumblings to his back. Is that 
Is that a thing he's, that's happening? He's out there on the practice field, man. I was looking at it today, and it just feels a little uncomfortable, even just watching him throw the ball around and, 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 and watching him talk about, like, how he was, oh, it was so hard to be out for the last two weeks. It's like, did you see the clip of yourself in week four? <laughs> like, it's very understandable that you were out for, the, for those last two weeks. And honestly, I'd be a little more comfortable if you were out for a couple of more weeks. But again, I'm no doctor. Yeah, here here we are, right? You know, the, the Dolphins now laying seven points on the road, and I don't know, like, healthy Tua laying seven points on the road. I'm not sure how much of a fan I would be of that. Um, so I'm, I don't like this at all. I'm going to be very honest. This is another one where I'm falling in line here with the recent trend of this week where I'm just taking these points. You're going to give me a bunch of points. I'm going to take a bunch of points and the Steelers didn't do, I mean, I know they won last week, but it wasn't like, you know, they dominated. It wasn't like, you know, the Bucks didn't play a huge role in that as well. Yeah. But I'll still take the Steelers in the points here. Yeah. I, I don't know how anybody can make a bet on this game. Like, <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. You know what I mean? We like, we spend a lot of time here. That's totally cool. That's totally fine. No, but it is sort of, you know, part of it is like working through the exercise of what, uh, you know, of, of these games, right? And so, okay, let's say Tua, for example, wasn't playing and we had to use the same rating that we used last week of the Dolphins, where, you know, they go down to a three point home underdog against the Vikings. And that, you know, as we like to use our, you know, scale on a hundred that knocked them down to basically about a 36 out of a hundred. Right now you watch that game and you go, listen, the offense is moving pretty good. Right. So you go, okay, well let's say Skylar Thompson had to play again. Let's say Teddy Bridgewater had to play again. Like it's certainly can't be 36. It probably has to be something still below 50, but like something along the lines of let's say a 45. Well, if it's a 45, then all of a sudden we move that line and we you know, do some mathematics, et cetera, et cetera. And we get to about 6.7 mm -hmm. on the Dolphins being favored over, over the Steelers, right? But that's factoring in last week's line where the Steelers were deemed to be basically outside of the Panthers, the worst team in the league. Yeah. Well, they go and they beat the Bucks. So now all of a sudden we have to go, okay, like Steelers can't be that bad then. So now we got to bump the Steelers up. Well, okay, let's say they were a 30 last week, which is right around kind of worst in the league at this point okay well let's not get crazy because like you said a lot of that was the bucks and and maybe less the steelers and now they go on the road and so that like there's even though obviously home field advantage is factored in but like honestly they're just probably not as good on the road so let's only bump them up to like say a 35 so we bump them up to a 35 and now all of a sudden that 6.7 comes down to about a 5.3 i got well you. this line's seven right now so yeah. that means the two has got to play so mm -hmm. then we go, okay, let's work our way backwards. Like we got to go from the like bump up the Skylar Ted Bridgewater line here. And let's go back to where we were when Tua was playing, which was in that same like uh, Bengals, Vikings, like pretty good, but like we're not yeah. putting them on the upper echelon, right? Like we have yep. them in say 56, 57, that like wild card type area. Well, where does that put our number? Puts our number at 8.4. All of a sudden, right? And so you go, okay, Tua, the, the week three version, let's say, of the Dolphins against the sort of like more rational, like we haven't sold the Steelers for parts version. And we got them at eight eight 8.4 here. Like that feels, then you know, obviously that would theoretically trigger a bet on Miami. So yeah. it really just kind of comes down to, all right, 
where do we put this version of the Dolphins? Where do we put Tua and his health? And I hate to say it, like, how much do we have built in for, like, the potential of him not making it through the game? And exactly. honestly, that isn't, that's less sort of a head situation, but, like, Tua hasn't exactly been the most durable guy, like, neck down exactly. in his career. So you have to sort of factor that in as well. And so I think that's why we end up with this line at seven, because it's not four, it's not 6.7, it's not eight, 8.5. It's like, how about we just put it on a thing that's going to that's gonna push a lot of the time? Because <laughs> it's if it's seven and a half, like, it's Steelers all day. If yeah. it's six and a half, you have to kind of just cross your fingers that two is good to go good because to go. you're getting good, you know, two points on the right side of seven, right? So, no, mm -hmm. you just throw it on seven and then you just go like, well, we'll figure it out later. And that's yep. where this line is. This line is a we'll figure it out later line. Speaking of figuring it out later, I feel like that's a way that to describe this Monday night football matchup, but more specifically the Bears offense because they're trying to figure it out. And I mean, I can't really say it's working. It looks a little bit like there are moments where it looks okay, but then you realize that's just Fields just making it up and just running off on his own. And he can't really do that. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And that's why they suck. So now you have them on Monday night at the New England Patriots, seven and a half point favorites. Bailey Zappi, or do we got uh, Mac Jones coming back? Not sure who. Either one of them, I would not like to be laying seven and a half points with. So instead, I'm just going to say it's Bill Belichick and insert create a player quarterback. You know, remember back in the day when when uh, I always remember it in NBA Live where they would just have the create a player and it was like SG. It was just mm -hmm. a generic shooting guard and he was just like mm -hmm. average. He was like, okay. Sure. Well, taking that moniker, applying that to the New England Patriots quarterback position at this point. Okay. Just your generic guy. It's not going to do too much. It's not going to do too little. He's just going to be all right. And Bill Belichick with that has proven that he can cook. So give me the pats at home. I will lay seven and a half points and not watch this game. No, I'm joking. I will lay the seven and a half points and still ride the zappy train. Hope that he's in because get Mac Jones up out of here. Zappy, I'm on for zappy time. Let's go. I love it. Whether it's, uh, you know, Mac Zappy or Zappy Mac. I believe that was the <laughs> song from the mid nineties for uh, illustrious poets, Chris Cross. Um, uh, I'm going to, they're going to make me jump on, uh, on the Patriots here because he loves it. Um, honestly, this is like, speaking of underrated, overrated, the Patriots are just wildly underrated here. Right. And I don't, I, I guess it's because of the start of the season where they're like one and two or one and three or whatever, but like, You'll recall like three point home favorites to the Lions two weeks ago. Yep. Two and a half, three at one point, or throughout the week, various points. You know, underdogs to the Browns. And it's like, mm -hmm. boom, way by that. Boom, way by that. Right. So, like, certainly the market number is kind of not, doesn't really apply here because that would be five and a half. But like, I think they've proven over the last few games here, you know, even before that, right? Green Bay. They're covering these games like wildly easily at this point. They're covering these games easier than they did in the Tom Brady era in some cases because sure. they don't have the same bar that they have to jump over. Now, this bar is a little bit higher, right? Seven and a half. Like, you know, the market is like, okay, now, now we're going to rate them the way that we should have been rating them the whole time, right? Where it's like they were, as we talk about with the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Bengals, right? The wild card sort of area of the high 50s. And so the Patriots have been rated in the mid-40s 
this whole time. And so the good news is we've been able to bet on them each week, mm -hmm. cash those tickets, boom, here you go. And now they're going to move them back into that like 56 type of a role here. Well, that's still 8.7 in the market with yeah. against the Bears here. And that's before you even get to the on-field element of like, yeah, Justin Fields isn't a rookie quarterback, but he still, I think, is under 16 games or at least somewhere along those lines for his career. And Bill Belichick against rookies, against rookie head coaches, like at home here in primetime. Like, honestly, I'm not really sure how the Bears score. Yeah, Like, I had high expectations, <laughs> again, relatively so, high expectations for the Bears scoring against Washington's defense mm -hmm. at home in primetime last week. Yeah. And they went way under that. And like, yeah, they got down to the goal line and some bad stuff happened, you know, crazy interception, fourth downs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like... It always does. I don't even think they're going to get to the goal line against the Patriots defense. Like, this defense is awesome. And like, honestly, the offense is pretty good too. It's just a lot of different guys that are going to beat you. It's a lot of schemed up stuff, which is weird because we spent the whole offseason complaining and, and wringing our hands about Matt Patricia's involvement and Joe Judge's involvement. And yet somehow on every second play, there's a tight end running loose. And like Devonte Parker is making like awesome catches, and like Tyquan Thornton's back, and like he got a touchdown already, and like Ramondre Stevenson might be really really awesome as a running back. Like this team just might be really really good. They're not flashy. They're not Josh Allen doing stuff and Patrick Mahomes doing stuff. They might just be really really solid. We talked about like anybody can work with the script. They might have like a 60 play offensive script because Bailey Zappi can handle it. Or, you know, hopefully if he ends up playing, Mac Jones can handle it. This team might just be really good. And we know that the Bears aren't. And as much as like, oh man, like Fields on the loose, like that can get scary. The only rushing yards that Fields had in that game, by and large, were like he broke three tackles to get out of a sack or they let him run because it was the end of the first half and they were happy with a guy running into the middle of the field, sliding and burning all the clock. And then that one run at the end of the game where he like busted it off for like 60 or 70 yards. Now I know that's a lot of ifs, ands or whatever, but like that's a lot of stuff that the Patriots can do to stop, right? A, they could tackle better than the Washington commanders tackled. B, they can do the same spy thing that the commanders did to keep fields in the pocket for much of that game. And C, like, yeah, Justin Fields could go for his yardage at the end of a first half. They'll be happy that he does that. And D, I don't think they're going to give up a 60-yard run to Justin Fields because, frankly, they're just better than that. Yeah. So, like, where is the offense going to come from here? And when we talk about point spreads, it's very easy, and it's why the Chiefs never cover. By the way, 0-2 since they, you know, dominated the Buccaneers on that Sunday night. We always look at these teams like offensively, they're going to cover 10, they're going to cover eight, they're going to cover 14 because their offense is so good. It's not how you cover big point spreads. You cover big point spreads by like sapping the other team's offensive will to live. You win games 24 to nine. You win games 27 to 12, right? Like that's how you cover these games. You don't do it 50 to 40. That's not yeah. how this works, right? And so the Patriots defense can shut down and or shut out. I mean, they did it to Jared Goff and the Lions, a team that going into that game, everybody was like, man, this Lions offense really humming. And like, oh no, sorry. How about, how's your goose egg? Taste that, Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like they, they didn't shut out the Browns last week. 
because what the Browns got what 12 points, 13 points, like something along those lines. Like, how many points are the Bears gonna score? To me, this is single digits for the Bears and 20-something for the Patriots. Give me the Patriots minus seven and a half. And honestly, like I this probably come back to haunt me. Like a teaser leg of all teaser legs, right? Like seven and a half or eight down to one and a half or two. Yeah. If we get there, if we problem is you got to get the first leg before you can get the second leg on Monday. Night. Makes too much sense. Makes too much sense, my friend. Just like it makes too much sense to make sure that you follow my guy for all the other information and education that he spits out throughout the week and just, you know, throughout the day as well. Cause the live watches are fun too. Watching along <laughs> on Twitter as well. But where can the people find you, man? Yeah, at MRS Authentic for all your complaining about the NFL needs um and the occasional occasional pick uh gonna i'm gonna shift gears on you here gonna promote my hockey article uh once we started hockey uh once a week um all the projected money lines for the rest of the week uh we sort of ran into one with the arizona coyotes plus 400 against the leafs the other night again at this stage in the season odds makers you know same cat you know same thing for football same thing for basketball they're daring you to bet on the bad teams Sometimes, you know, you just have to hit the button. And in the case of, what was that, Monday night, you scored with the Coyotes, you scored with the Habs. And so a little extra dollar in your pocket just by doing like the literally like basic research and basic comparison when it comes to price shopping in, uh, in the NHL. And obviously that's the same case when it comes to the NFL. Sounds like fun. And, you know, you can talk me into the Leafs, although I'll be mostly betting on Austin Matthews anytime goals. But, hey, that's a story for another day. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. Because, as I say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.